the theater. Celebrate more love at the Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration featuring live performances of classic love songs on Saturday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Peebo Bryson on January 26th and 27th. Bob Marley, the birthday bash on February 3rd and Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration on February 10th. More info and tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. WPFW is a proud media partner with Bethesda Theater. I'm Wiza Muntali, host of Africa Now, and you're tuned to member-supported WPFW Washington. Welcome to this hour of We the People. I'm your host, David Whetstone, right here at WPFW 89.3 FM, WPFWFM.org, Pacifica Foundation Radio, emanating out of Washington, D.C., 50,000 watts strong, but we're also strong because you, the listener, entirely sponsor us, and you have done that going on to 47 years by the end of this month of this broadcast. I thank you for your support. Um, if you're listening throughout the week, or if you've listened to the previous shows, you know that we are in our winter fun drive, where we seek not only financial support, but social connection with you. WPFW's revolutionary radio were indeed these revolutionary times. My goal is to exceed $500 of support by your calling 1-800-222-9739. 1-800-222-9739. And I'll be telling you about the show in greater detail in this hour. For those that are new, though, uh, We the People is a news magazine, usually a one-to-one interview for about 50 minutes. And we cover the issues of race, politics, history, and culture, especially how they intersect and how individuals throughout our history and our communities have left us a legacy of empowerment. So, without further ado, let's talk about the further meditations on Martin, Martin Luther King Jr., and how that informs democracy. To do that, our guest is historian Randall Maurice Jelks, who is the Ruth N. Halls Professor of African American and African Diaspora Studies at Indiana University in Bloomington. He's the author of four books, including Benjamin Elijah Mage, Schoolmaster of the Movement, a biography, Faith and Struggle in the Lives of Four African Americans, Ethel Waters, Mary Lou Williams, Eldridge Cleaver, and Muhammad Ali, 
and the subject of this conversation, the engine, the drive, Letters to Martin, Meditations on Democracy in Black America. Additionally, Dr. Jelks is a documentary film producer. He has produced and contributed to Langston's Lawrence Garden City, Kansas, as well as a documentary with the Academy Award-winning Kevin Wilmot on Langston Hughes. And I would also like to mention that Dr. Jelks is a descendant of the Georgetown 272. Dr. Jelks, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, uh, last month we talked about Dr. King a little bit earlier. Our conversation was curtailed. It wasn't as full as I like to uh, present you to our audience. I believe that the work of your book and what you had to offer is a great gift to us, a great encouragement. And for that, I thank you right off. Thank We're going to further explore doc what Dr. King's left us, what it means to approach social change and movement prayerfully, meditatively, reflectively. What is the foundation or the elements that empower such an approach? So um, let's just begin at the beginning. What's the project or the goal of your book? Um, what's well, the context of it? My, the goal of my book is, is very, very simple. Uh, I, I don't, I think you have to have some inner um, uh, motivation, some inner direction uh, to keep um, this day-to-day -day grind of, of working for uh, justice and working for to better the world. If you don't have that kind of inner purposefulness to use that language, uh, then uh, it, you can't keep that going very well. And one of the things we neglect about King, I mean, he was a human being just like everybody, and his shortfalls just like everybody. But, but the inner purposefulness, you know, I, I often tell uh, my students, uh, I, you know, after Montgomery, I uh, bus boycott, uh, I, I would have won, and I would have gone on to be a distinguished professor somewhere. Uh, but he felt this inner urgency and drive to continue uh, to work toward the movement. Uh, and that is something that uh, is not a part, just a part of him. It's a part of the black community as a whole, that there has been an inner drive uh, that has guided uh, much of black uh, struggle. Uh, I, I, I had in mind uh, an old book uh, by Vincent Harding, uh, when I thought about writing this book, uh, there is a river, uh, and it really is a kind of uh, a spiritual history of African American struggle. So uh, I want people to to reclaim that. Uh, it's a really important as we struggle today. Well, the initial framework for your book is letters from a Birmingham jail, but in complimenting you and uh, and commending the book to our listeners. You cover a vast array of sermons and speeches and resources, plus you add a flow of American and world history to have us, chapter by chapter, do this meditative, reflective approach. Um, so we're trying to reassess the meaningfulness that we find within the democratic struggle. And um, I would like you to just even go further and say how you found in studying Doc, Reverend Dr. King, how democracy is defined through through the study and what you're trying to share. Well, I mean, in in, in whole is the idea that um, that King was very realistic. Human beings, when they aggrandize power, do some very cruel things to one another. The world over, not not just in, in the United States, but the world over. And so we have to figure out a system that does not dehumanize uh, one another. And this is, uh, of course, we're, we're seeing this uh, every day on, on, on some forms of social media, some forms of uh, television, and, um, and, and, we're, and tacitly we're going along with it. Um, and we have to find some inner resource to stop going along with it, to to challenge it, and to and overcome our own fears, and that's that's an inward turn, not in the 
the very negative sense of that word, but it's an inward turn uh, inside of us uh, to come up with the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the basis of democracy at its heart. So with strategic reiteration, uh, the heart of democracy is like an eternalization of a genuine, genuine spirit for equality, for right. equity. Well, yeah, that's and that's absolutely what um, uh, we often say. Oh, we want people to be democratic to us, but we don't want to be democratic to them. Uh, and so we have to, you know, kind of check, provide our own check and balance about about that. Um, that that's really uh, at, at at the heart of it. it. Begins there. It doesn't end there, but it begins there. Yeah, and. Uh- Part of doing all that is the recognition, like you're saying uh, repeatedly, recognition is that limitations must be placed on absolute power. Right. Um, Throughout this conversation, we'll make it clear that, indeed, Reverend Dr. King was prophetic, and he warned about the giant triplets, racism, materialism, and militarism. And this sense of discipline... Um, meditation, being prayerful. I mean, it was done by many of King's colleagues, but it was done also by people who were in the movement, everyday people. And um, I was thinking in preparation, too, that um, you started these essays or reflections for students, but it's clear that you're writing to address everyone, to engage everyone. And um, nothing that... uh, WPFW listeners and I know better is the joy of sharing, of being taught, being trained, being encouraged by one another. And I think about James Lawson, by the way, and and how uh, brave young people. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, barely in adulthood being trained. Right, James Lawson uh, down in Nashville trained um, uh, Diane Nash and uh, John Lewis and. And uh, a whole host of people I can't think. I see their faces, but can't think of their names at the moment. And uh, in sort of nonviolent uh, confrontation uh, and organizing, because uh, the 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 fact is that democratic movements require organizing and discipline organizing, um, and um, that is uh, uh, something. Um, and it requires that you have the ability to disagree, but to listen to one another. And uh, so all of these forms, uh, uh, you bring up Lawson, uh, all these forms are come out of the black community. In black community, there were organizations that uh, struggled uh, to form their own sense of democracy. This is not something uh, brought in from outside. Whether King was a Baptist or uh, Lawson, who was a Methodist, uh, they were bringing in their own forms of democracy and training their young people. Uh, And this is very, very important. Uh, One of the things that every young person uh, was a part of the kind of NAACP youth council. Uh, uh, even when the young people wanted to go separate than the, 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 the older folks. So all of this uh, teaches you the internalization of organizing, but also of respecting uh, people across the table that you might disagree with within your organization. So these are all the practices of, of, of democracy that had been going on in the black community for a long time. And we shouldn't neglect mentioning Ella Baker too. Yes, since correct. All the well, that you're, but I mean, and Ella you know. Baker, of course, who was the advisor for the student nonviolent coordinating committee. And we would, we, all of these people believed in young people uh, in ways that we don't today. And, um, but they also they all came out of a, a place um, where they believe in the capacity for people to organize themselves and to uh, to work toward uh, uh, freedom, not just the freedom to get from demand of the regular rights, but the freedom in ourselves, in our own dignity, in our own personhood. 
Yeah, I will underline that, and that's going to come up in our later down the road in our conversation. Uh, so I keep mentioning uh, prayerfully, meditatively, reflectively. Um, when you say meditate, people think of this ethereal, isolated, secluded sense of being. But um, what is meditation, particularly through Dr. King, might what might that mean to us? Well. I, I use the term because uh, meditate because that means you have to take a step back and you have you do have to have some place places of quiet to reflect um not enough attention is paid attention to the, that reflect reflective quality uh today I mean we 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 uh I don't know what we call it now it's called X we tweet out we we put threads, uh, whatever, whatever Reddit or whatever. We make instantaneous re responses, and we don't. We are not uh, careful in choice in our words, in our, uh, and so to think, take a step back. Meditations have been written not just by religious folks, but non-religious folks, um, it, as to reflect on leadership, power other kinds of things. So it's the taking a step back and taking the a little longer view as we prepare to, to do our day-to-day -day struggle. And that it, for most individuals, that's come in forms of some forms of uh, practices of piety, whether it's prayer, uh, meditation, uh, to take a long run and, and, and reflect on the self. That is still needed today. Indeed. Um, we can take a moment and even highlight maybe not only the how-to, but uh, the substance of this. For Dr. King, uh, there are important mentors and influencers in his life. He was known to carry around Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited. Um, anywhere and everywhere he went, he maintained a copy of that book with him. Could you talk about... Um, just even quickly, uh, the influence of Howard Thurman and Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays, sure, head of uh, head of Morehouse, and yeah. certainly yeah. Well, the life of Dr. King. Right. Well, um, more um, Dr. Benjamin Mays was King's mentor, or King put it more more dramatically, he was his spiritual and intellectual father. This is the person he looked to uh, when he thought about what a reflective uh, Baptist uh, clergy would look like. I mean, he points to the fact he makes the decision to become, and he also has uh, Howard Thurman, who spent a great deal of time in, in at as the Dean of Rankin Chapel at Howard University. So it's, it's, uh, and, and Thurman um, uh, went to meet Gandhi in around 1934 uh, personally, and uh, have conversations with uh, uh, Mohandas Gandhi about whether this movement uh, could work for Black people, and this these this correspondence between Gandhi and um, a, a Black America extended back almost uh, uh, to the earliest moment when Gandhi had started uh, started the movement. Uh, there were many others, uh, both Black men and women and that uh, people should know to history. But how could you keep a long-term movement, which the Indian independence movement was a long-term movement. People forget it was over uh, doggone near 40 years. Um, and they were looking for alternatives than the kind of war-filled destruction that we see today. They were looking for deeper answers. You know, Benjamin Mays meets Gandhi in 1936, and he's far more critical than Thurman, uh, but comes away thinking of that uh, this is a possibility. And in uh, point of fact, he writes, uh, in your area, the old Baltimore Afro-American, uh, what would it look like uh, to have an American Gandhi? So King had to learn these things uh, from uh, people and of course, James Lawson, which you already mentioned, uh, all of these people have deep uh, influence on him, including Bayard Rustin. You know, uh, you're mentioning this concept that 
Dr. King emulated, modeled, and applied uh, Sata Yagraha, pardon me, uh, again, Sata, Sata Y, or Sata Yagraha. Uh, yep. Yes. And um, that is um, from the Sanskrit or uh, Hindu notions of holding on to truth, persistent resistance by living through the truth. Right. And that's what Dr. Mays and Dr. Thurman initiated and helped Dr. King steward throughout his life. Sure. And of course, we shouldn't forget that there, the, uh, uh, all the poets and writers that uh, from Langston Hughes to the young Margaret Walker, uh, all of those writers it, uh, are asking us to look at the truths of our lives and uh, this our humanity. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, allow me to reintroduce yourself. Listeners, you're listening to We the People. I'm your host, David Whetstone. But more importantly, our guest, historian Dr. Randall Jelks, is offering us further meditations on Martin and forming democracy. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. certainly is one of the most profound figures to ever walk the earth, to be in our presence for a short time, and yet we have to find ways to not only remember his work, but further extend it. We do that here at WPFW because we seek to be revolutionary radio for times that are in need of revolution. And we'll talk about that as well. But importantly, first things first, we can only do that through your support. Please call 1-800-222-9739, 1-800-222-9739 to donate and support this station. Our existence going on to 47 years has been entirely due to listeners raising financial support for the station. My goal is to exceed $500. That can easily be done in an hour. We provide you resources and thank you gifts not so much to bribe you, but to empower you in relationship to our topic from the Pacifica Radio Archives. There's an MP3 disc that contains a special collection of uh, sermons and speeches from Dr. King. I believe they amount to uh, several hours of availability, including uh, Pacifica's unique position to recover a lost recording from London that I believe he uh, gave in 1964. All that and more because we thank you for supporting the station. You can support the station by using Cash App, dollar sign WPFW. Whether it's this show or another show, designate the show you want to give to, and you'll be giving to the overall support of the station. You can go to WPFWFM.org, WPFWFM.org. There's a bright red and a button that says donate. I appreciate you. I've been with the station in one form or another since 2009. I promise to tell you a little bit in the next break about the backstory of this show and further reasons to support this station. Um, no amount is too small. No amount is too big. If we have maybe 10 people donating, we meet our goal and possibly exceed it. Won't you become a member supporter today? 1-800-222-9739. I thank you in advance. Dr. Jelks, thank you. Um, thank you for being with us. And um, I, wanna, I just want to add, I, I want to, uh, I'll get the cash app once again, but I want to support the show. And uh, you're very fortunate out in D.C. to have such a, a radio station in, uh, such as yours uh, out, out in the hinterlands here. Uh, we don't have that. And, I, and I'm, I'm, it's a wonderful uh, station. And I'm hoping your listeners will support you as well. Thank you. Well, uh, early in your book, you start out with a pretty dramatic statement and point. And I, I'd like you to explain to listeners uh, um, that you say Dr. King's death demanded that black people redefine what it means to be democratic. Can you explain that, please? Well, of course, uh, 
most times democracy in the United States is seen that only a select few people uh, could be um, um, were entitled to democracy. You know, the United States, and, and you know this from living in the uh, the the DMV, the, the District of Columbia. Uh, they, they, they certainly uh, the framers of the Constitution uh, framed about around the Romans and Greeks a lot. So you just architecturally everything is there, but those republics were exclusive. They weren't inclusive of uh, all the people they call the barbarians and all those other other people. And what Dr. King is thoroughly analyzed and been analyzed in Black America long before him was that um, that democracy can only be true if it's an inclusive to all people. And so that his assassination, along with many others and other murders that occurred for people fighting for democracy, demands that we we rethink what we mean by democracy. Is it only for a few? Is it only for uh, uh, the the wealthy? Is it only for the oligarchical class? So uh, it demanded uh, that, and um, that's why you know uh, sadly he was assassinated. But it demands that we continue to rethink. The frames of democracy. We think, uh, and it, luckily for us uh, in the United States, the framers of the Constitution gave us a political way to to struggle and uh, and uh, to think about that reframing. It's obvious that most people have some sort of access, some sort of notion of Dr. King, the civil rights movement, what black folks have gone through, what black and brown folks continue to struggle for. And we've been, you know, starting out the hour with talking about approaching this through what Dr. King offered in advice, perfectly, meditatively, reflectively. Again, we're trying to talk about how to do that. And the call that Dr. King makes to us is a revolution of values. And that can't be achieved with, as you said earlier, without inner work and outer work. And it has to be almost intimately related in its essence to actions, actions of organizing, actions of protest. What does it mean to have a revolution of values? Well, when Dr. King called for a revolution of values, uh, you know, everywhere was being called for for revolution, right? You know, uh, the, the the last poets, you know, the, when the you know the revolution, the revolution will not be televised. All of those uh, values, but the real revolutionary goal was to uh, for King was for African Americans to. Put away their fears about uh, what the society would do to them and what they were going to transform the society uh, to 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 be uh, and 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 to engage it uh, at, the, at the, the country at his uh, moral core. King was a moralist. Um, he wanted to uh, the morality of, of the country, and, and and it's a real. It was a real challenge then, as it is a real challenge today. Uh, uh, when uh, you know the 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 core thing that is that you can beat up people because you have more money than them. Uh, he was trying to challenge that moral conviction. All revolutionaries are disciplined. They have a discipline to their lives. Uh, that they, whether it's reading, whether it's reflecting, they are thinking about uh, the, the 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 content of our lives, and and King is trying to challenge the whole nation by using this term revolution of values, not just as an uh, individual moral indictment. You you behave this way, you behave this way, but this is how our 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 country. Uh, our, our governing offices must must uh, 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 behave. We can't take up our armaments uh, to do that. Uh, we we can't 
annihilate people to do that. We must take up the, uh, the, the, the values that we have and, and, and be constructive and push for constructive uh, change, particularly for the poor. Uh, that's what he meant by revolution of values. And much of that presentation, not only in sermons and speeches and actions, but it's presented in the 1967 book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? It's still pretty powerful, right? I mean, yes, what, yes, you know, indeed. It, lots more chaos right now than community. I can certainly say that. Well, some question whether this can truly be achieved by nonviolence, and yet Dr. King was beyond words, beyond mere passion. Well, I think, committed. I think yeah, I, I th he was totally committed to nonviolence, but I think there is some empirical evidence, right? I mean, uh, places where there are revolutions, violent revolution, uh, leaves a legacy of violence. Uh, um, yes, there is violence done against people, but the more violent the revolution, um, the likes likely people are to uh, work towards some human commonalities. Uh, and so these these are uh, people are often pushed, but these are these are the price we pay. Warfare leaves us that kind of war we fight, so to speak, uh, leaves us uh, 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 damaged and scarred. Uh, and for centuries and hundreds and hundreds of years. So King was thinking about what is the way we're going to fight? He wasn't saying not to fight, but what is the way we're going to do that and how yes. we're going to engage it? That's that's the true revolution of values. Yeah, and allow me to just read his uh, repudiation of violence for a moment. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder the hate. In fact, violence merely increases the hate. But the, at around the same time, he said, the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today is my own government. So he's quite realistic. We're not talking about something that's naive or just flopping over in the face of horrible, horrible oppression. Right. You know, so I was. What, what thinking, gets you? What yeah. you put you up in the morning then to do that? This is mm -hmm. my question. What and I, my question to young people: What gets you up in the morning? Because you have got to have some kind of deeper commitment to continue the struggle than, you know, just uh, one one march. You, it's a it's a lifetime, as Angela Davis has often oft, uh, said, it's a lifetime commitment, and that has to come out of inner core. You know, we're putting the emphasis on what we can do, but in the context also that um, when we talk about values, it's particularly in this present moment, there's a lot of skullduggery on the part of those who oppress. There's uh, a distortion. You've mentioned it earlier, Doctor, and you cited Dr. King's concern about, you know, um, overreaching capitalism, best capital. Um, the pride that comes through technological developments. Uh, he even spoke to automation affecting the, the workforce. So we have really a complication of values where we have people quite willing to distort them. Um, how do we solve the values problem if, if we're to understand that we have to have a revolution of, what, of our own values? Well, I mean, this is a struggle that we're all into. I mean, I'm in university life, and so I'll give you an example. Uh, university life, the, the attack on the humanities, teaching the humanities, is an attack to try to silence criticism uh, coming toward people who uh, believe that they just want the kind of uniformity of 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 a persons in our country uh, and, and non-thinking uni uniformity and this is always a, the struggle the uh, antonio gramsci uh, uh the uh, uh great theorist uh, uh italian theorist uh 
uh, who Mussolini uh, imprisoned, uh, you know, says we always struggle to define what is normative, what is what is what is the the everyday rural life, and much of our uh, things come from um, uh, uh, what people from above tell us, as opposed to what we have thought of and know to be true ourselves. I was just thinking also that um, it's something that's collective. It's something that can be done collectively with um, with others. And I like to touch on points about again Dr. King's realism in the pursuit of this. Um, he has a notion of uh, from a sermon speech the drum major instinct where he talks about leadership and he talks about um how how people are to model democratic ideals can you uh talk to us a little bit about this notion of the drum major instinct and how we as individuals pursue justice particularly how dr king looked at it well I'll give you a illustration. One of the the illustrations is uh, uh, the, uh, the when the uh, SCLC uh, attempts to organize in Chicago. Uh, one of the problems in Chicago uh, is gang life, and gang life is a long history of outside of Black America. Gang life in Chicago has was all has always been a feature. Uh, it's, it's been a gang town, uh, as long as I, uh, know it. But one of the interesting things is that he was late meeting the U S attorney general because he sat to listen to, uh, uh, gang members on the West side, talk about their experience as he was trying to explain black power, uh, or explain why he took a different view than the view about uh, violence than they did. But more importantly, he listened. And he listened to them uh, explain their position. All great leaders have the ability to listen to uh, what people are, 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 are stating and are, are, uh, or hoping for. You may not have all the solutions to those, but to listen to people and to go back and forth and ask questions uh, more than telling people what you think should be done. And that is the beginning of leadership. That is the beginning of service. Uh, Dr. King listened uh, when um, uh, he is told that he doesn't know anything about welfare mothers. He learned to listen. And the beginning of leadership is uh, those le leaders who go out to listen and not to dictate fully until they have listened to uh, people. And that's the beginning. And leadership is hard. Um, and lots of people want to be leaders, but they don't want the the hard, hard things because you're pulled a lot of different directions. You are um, blamed for things even when you're not around, <laughs> um, you know, the riots in LA, watch riots, King is blamed for it, but King is somewhere in, in the South uh, leading a protest. But it's Dr. King's fault. Uh, all of this is uh, the, the price, the heavy cost of leadership. And and But listening is the first part of it. Second part is, after you listen, how do you gather people together to take action? It wasn't just Dr. King, but how do we gather people to take action? How do we take action that uh, actions that will lead to some constructive ends and so forth? And I, I like that point about taking action. But uh, I would also, you mentioned his time in Chicago. Uh, I don't think many people remember that he and his family, wife and children, lived in Lawndale for a good portion of the summer in, right. in the south side of Chicago. So he was willing to model with his very life. Right. This sense of That's leadership. Also leadership as well. Yeah. But this call to action, I want to remind people that they're listening to We the People right here on your Jazz and Justice station, WPFW 89.3 FM, WPFWFM.org. 
we're in a winter fun drive. I have guests like Dr. Jelks um, come to you to speak about issues, concerns, history, and organizing because I believe in you and I believe in the revolution that we need to bring about for our society in, in this world. I do that like other programmers do it with one broadcast at a time. You're here dedicating an hour of your time to listen to us. If you have listened to WPFW throughout some time or to this program, I will give you some examples, for instance, of what you will find. Carol Anderson has spoken about race relations and white rage and guns in American history. The comedian and commentator Kamal Bell has been here. The horror writer and speculative fiction writer Tanana Reeve Du talked about with her husband Stephen Barnes how Octavia Butler has inspired us. Eddie Gloud, philosopher and historian and social commentator, has been here talking about um, not only black advancement, but the advancement of being a multiracial society in America. Amy Goodman of Democracy Now! I've had the pleasure of interviewing and sharing with you. Lonnie Guineer, who before she died, talked about meritocracy and education and race. Chester Higgins Jr., the photographer, has been here. The novelist uh, Gish Jen has been here with us. Ibrahim Kendi, Dr. Kendi has been here when stamped uh, his major book came out. Coleman McCarthy and George Lakey, two strong veteran advocates for peace. Walter Mosley, the mystery writer, who often talks about the nature of American society. Faith Ringgold talks about black art and the black arts movement. Rashad Robinson, leader of Color of Change. And Raphael Warnock, Reverend Warnock, before he became a senator, has been a guest talking about black religion being the engine for social justice in this country. All that comes at the pleasure of you, the listener, supporting this station. Won't you support WPFW by calling 800-222-9739. Become a sustaining member. Maybe you want to just give a little each month and let it add up by the end of the year. You can do that. If we're talking about people like Dr. King, know that there are many resources that we offer for our thanks. $75 pledges will secure for you an MP3 collection of sermons and speeches, hours of Dr. King. Some of these sermons and speeches are not available anywhere else. They came through Pacifica Radio. Later on today, my friend and host, uh, Louisa Mutali of Africa Now, the uh, program that's at one o'clock dedicated to African descended people, not only in the continent, but throughout the world, has a part three on Malcolm X. And we have... Again, a thank you gift representing the many speeches of Malcolm X. We do all that because you, the listener, call and support us season after season, year after year, totaling up to 47 years. That's no presumption. All I can say is go online, go to WPFWFM.org, go to Cash App and use dollar sign WPFW or call 800 222 9739-800-222-9739. Someone out there can donate something to support each and every one of us as we listen to honored guests. 800-222-9739. I need someone to call to reduce the goal of this hour of $500. Won't you please do that? And I thank you. I thank you again for your support not only of the show but wpfw and the jazz and justice we offer you dr jelks again thank you for being with us hey i just send my cash app into you all right well thank you <laughs> your listeners uh after i li heard the lineup I, I too was impressed uh by the lineup that you you the lineup of people and I am deeply honored to be in that in that lineup. But it's it's also the subjects that these folks talk about, and they're more than happy to share when they hear about the communities and audiences we serve. And on your ending point before we I took the break, 
we're obviously talking about issues of black self-love and, and the issues of black self-love as Dr. King demonstrated are, are indeed incredible. Just talk to us more about what you found in your, your study and admiration of him. Well, it was, you know, my study, look, I, in this, these collection of essays, I write about, uh, King's, uh, uh, shortcomings, his failure with, uh, his, uh, family on being on the road and, uh, all of those things, but those are all a part of who we are living in a de democratic, uh, a a society. Uh, and, um, it's important for us to, 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 to remember that these noted leaders, whether it's Malcolm that you just described, whether it's it's Dorothy Height, uh, whether it's uh, Ella Baker, uh, they they're not they're they're human beings. They have flaws, but so do we. And this is important. Uh, I was asked by students, aren't there enough books about Dr. King when uh, the the book came out? And I said. Yes, but not enough books to help us think about the ways we might uh, use it, the the words and the work of Dr. King. Um, uh, there are uh, my my dear friend Jonathan Ike has a wonderful new biography. Uh, it's really a, the most intimate of. And by the way, a guest on the show when he did his Muhammad Ali biography. Right, right. So uh, on King, and I recommend people read it. Uh, it's more humanized than all the other ones. Um, but the the ways that we have to think about those words in our society, it, we we assume that the society will always be here. But King never assumed that because he had a long view of history, like societies come and go. Uh, uh, and um, and it may be said one day of our own society that it, 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 it disappeared. We have to struggle to build community and what are the what are those things going back to the things? What are the values we want to see as we struggle? The community is not built without struggle. Frederick Douglass tells us this. Everything that we do has to be a struggle. There's no there's no easiness. There is no what the the uh, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. The, there is a struggle for us to. Um, uh, to to build society, and we have to be willing to engage in that struggle, uh, and 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 that comes from the again that inner part. One of the things you asked me, and I wanted to answer this very uh, quickly. There is a you know the, the the scene that is scripted in King's book about him praying uh, at his table, that uh, kitchen table after his house has been bombed. His father wants him to come back to Atlanta, you know, get your wife and your child out of this dangerous situation. And he has to go in for him. For him, it's uh, his relationship to his God that keeps him on on that path. I don't I can't give definitive imperial that works for everybody but for him that was the the motive that that he had something more important to do and he felt that it was a a calling to use that the word vocation and so for people you have to find what to day to day to even make it in the day to day world you have to still find what is that very very deep and important calling that you have in this world uh, uh, to work with. And I often hear it's about money. Uh, it's about the Benjamins. Um, but, you know, to be a school teacher, it ain't about the Benjamins because you wouldn't make a lot of money. So it has to be about something that you bring joy to enlightening and opening up its minds to learning. And so we have to find a new way of positioning ourselves. King was 26 years old, didn't know, uh, um, I, I almost said uh, a profanity that my grandfather would say, S from Shinola, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but the, um, you know, you've got to find something deep within yourselves to, to achieve, to stick with it, uh, to uh, be a part of it. And I, I think that, I think that's, that's so missing in our society because everything is, um, a celebrity, 
uh, culture. And that's what I also wanted to write against. This is not celebrity culture. This is about uh, our humanity and our collective humanity. And giving us a legacy that fails over a number of things. One of them, including the self-love being self-sacrificing. Unfortunately, self-sacrificing not only of the individual, but of family and communities. I think about children involved, and certainly the more we look into Dr. King's life, the more and more we hear about psychological and emotional tolls, um, physical things like being stabbed in Harlem by by someone who was unwell. Yeah, deranged person. Uh, yeah. And um, I don't want to end on this Absolutely. note. I think we can uh, get in several points, but I wanted to ask also, um, how does Dr. King uh, and the movement uh, engage trauma and trauma work? And while we're waiting for Dr. Jelks, we lost the signal, but this would be a good time to really appeal to you, the listener, again. We've got a few short minutes before we're signing off on this show. Won't someone out there, someone who's been listening, donate to WPFW and become a member today? 1-800-222-9739. We had a goal of $500 for this hour. We're down to two to three short minutes with our programming. And it would be a shame not to understand that somebody out there um, can support WPFW and its need to continue the struggle, the revolution that we need for jazz and justice for better communities by calling 1-800-222-9739. 1-800-222-9739 or use cash app dollar sign WPFW, or if you are listening through your computer at WPFW FM, there's a bright red donate button. Dr. Jelks, I was going to ask that um, you talked about a forward vision of Dr. King. Um, you know, it's funny, um, your book discerned that he was very optimistic in 1958. He said something to the effect that the 20th century was a momentous period of human history with a new social order coming, but by 1967, a year before his death, he was warning us that tomorrow is now, that it's an urgent need to save our planet, one another, our humanity. I'm wondering what's the, at least one of the many takeaways you want to offer us in the in well, you know, listen, look, Dr. King uh, was on, had been on the battlefield for a long time, and, and, and that takes its toll uh, it, 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 in perspective. And um, hello, hello? Yes, you're with us. Keep going, Are doctor. Freezing. No, we can hear you. Keep talking, please. Well, Damn. listeners, you've spent the hour. Um, okay, Dr. Jelks? You, you yes, I'm here. <laughs> Please finish up. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's 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 the point of point of fact that uh, um, um, that that he was uh, you know perspective. He was he was more dismal. Uh, he was more depressed. And no leader can stay uh, hyperactive for forever. Every and this is the thing about leadership: you do have to escape the people sometime and to 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 rest. And the man literally had no rest. These are these are grave times, but there have always been grave times. And uh, I just want to thank thank you about that. So I want to say to the audience: there have always been grave times for us. And yet, Dr. King really leaves us um, a sense of hope that has spread throughout the world. I think about the in Egypt in the in the revolutionary times they have that a comic book depicting his life is still the inf inspiration for 
many youngsters. Oh, the, the Czech Republic, uh, the Velvet Revolution, uh, one their inspiration was, was uh, King. And vice versa, Dr. King was well aware of the movements for independence in Africa. That's correct. Um, Dr. Jelks, Randall Maurice Jelks, um, author of um, Meditations on Martin, um, uh, pardon me, Letters to Martin, Meditations on Democracy in Black America. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Uh, Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Folks, we're going off the air, but coming up next is the news with Sue Goodwin. Uh, don't forget the blues with Clarence, the blues man Turner. Each of these people are bringing you programming. We need your financial support. Won't you become a member today by calling 1-800-222-9739. 1-800-222-9739. You can do that even as we're going off the air for quite a, the next few minutes. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you, Mike Nisella, our engineer. From WPFW News in Washington and WBAI in New York, I'm Sue Goodwin. Here are some headlines. A key vote is expected in the Senate today to open debate on a $118 billion immigration and foreign aid bill and is likely to fail due to Republican opposition. Even if the bill could somehow win enough support to pass the Senate, House Speaker Mike Johnson has already declared the legislation would be dead on arrival in the House. Yesterday, President Biden accused Donald Trump of blowing up the plan, which included harsh new border measures, as well as new military aid for Ukraine, Israel, and allies in the Pacific. If a vote to take up the package fails to get 60 votes to advance, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he plans to take out the border provisions, which Republicans had demanded, and instead bring up emergency supplemental appropriations for foreign aid. That aid would provide $60 billion to Ukraine, boost support for Israel, and provide additional funds for Taiwan, along with reconstruction aid for Gaza. In other news, Hamas proposed a four-and-a-half-month ceasefire in Gaza today, demanding a full Israeli withdrawal from the territory in exchange for a release of all hostages it still holds. Israel's government said it is studying the offer and that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu will hold a press conference later today. The Hamas proposal comes in response to an earlier offer from the U.S. and Israel for a three-stage truce. The most recent Hamas proposal does not demand an immediate end to the war in Gaza, but rather suggests the war's end could be determined in future talks in exchange for final hostage releases. Israel has promised to continue the war until Hamas is destroyed. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said today that a lot of work remains to bridge the diplomatic divide between Israel and Hamas. President Biden described the Hamas proposal as a little over the top, but said talks would continue. In domestic news, House Republicans failed yesterday to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after three members of their party joined with Democrats to reject the proposal. Representative Al Green, recovering from surgery, made a surprise appearance to cast a critical vote. The final vote was 214 to 216. Republicans claim Mayorkas committed high crimes and misdemeanors for his handling of the southern border, even though constitutional experts have said the evidence does not reach that high bar. Homeland Security Committee Chair Mark Green said he was frustrated with the failed vote, but vowed Republicans will try again when Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who is undergoing treatment for cancer, is back. And Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley suffered a major defeat yesterday 
in a non-binding Republican primary in Nevada, where she was the only major candidate on the ballot. In a contest that Donald Trump skipped, more voters selected the none of these candidates option then chose Haley on the primary ballot. But Tuesday's contest won't award delegates to the Republican National Convention. Instead, the party will use the results from the GOP-run caucus, which will be held Thursday. Trump is expected to win the caucus. On the Democratic side, President Joe Biden